What's up, you guys? This podcast is about toxic masculinity. It is a set of behaviors and beliefs that include suppressing emotions or masking your distress, maintaining an appearance of hardness, or violence as an indicator of power. I believe this is the cause of many problems in this world, and step one is to talk about it. We're going to talk about our feelings, our ups, our downs, our experiences, and our solutions for a better future. Thank you so much for listening. Let's begin. All right, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Boys Will Be Human. I'm your host, Josh Gannon. Thank you for thank you for coming back to it. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm here today with one of my best friends. We've lived together. We have sung together. <laughs> um, the great Paul Miller. Thank you. Hello out there. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course, it was a very easy decision to to ask you. Um, so. For everybody, uh, Paul and I met. For, ev- for everyone that's not you and I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, so anybody who's listening, Paul and I met in college. We went to San Francisco State. We met in the men's, was it men's course or men's ensemble or what was it called? I think that one freshman year was um, the men's course. Um, men's course. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was named that, which is it, which is funny because it was... I mean, how many of us were there? 16, maybe? 16, at its, yeah, at like its biggest. Four, yeah. Three or four of each part. It was a pretty small, pretty small group and yeah, a very interesting it. group. I mean, I feel like it was, there were guys in that group that were in some of the other singing groups who were very prominent in the music department. And then there were some guys where I was like, where did you come from? <laughs> I mean, and everyone was good. It wasn't about talent. It was just like, it, it was a, it was a big smorgasbord of, of randos, which I loved. Yeah. It was the first time. Like I had been in a choir where people didn't, or at least in the college, because it. Wow, I can't think of it right now. <laughs> I agree with you. Where it was, it was a smorgasbord of yeah. people, and yeah. I was, I was taken back. Even though myself, I wasn't a, like a music major, but still meeting other people that weren't music majors, I was like, why are you here? But oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I wasn't a music judgy. major either. I had just always yeah. sung throughout my life, and when I went to college. You know, I was un- I was actually undeclared for the first two years. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I had, mm-hmm. um, wanted to sort of dip my feet in, but I always sort of knew that I wanted to sing because I'd just always done that. I mean, I started yeah. doing church choirs when I was like five or six years old in kindergarten. So it's just like, it's so part of my life in that way that um, it was just a given that I would have to find some place to do it in um, in college. Same. I was in choir for in high school and I loved it. And then I was like, well, there's a choir at college. So I'm going to going to do that. And yeah, just, totally. It it was different than high school because in high school I had show choir. So we had like dancing and like funny aspects to it. But even knowing we weren't going to do that in college, I was like, I still like it. I'm, I liked holding the notebook in front of us. We didn't have to memorize it. That was that was kind of cool. Yeah, and 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 I I definitely felt the same way. I mean, I I did like church choirs and you know other singing groups, but I also just did a lot of theater um, yeah. throughout middle school and high school. So, and for me to if you know to be quite honest, the the dancing never really click, clicked with me. I would always <laughs> that was always really challenging for me. I I don't know if you kind of felt the same way, but it, it being that sort of. You know, when you're in the theater, theater kid, you know, department and everyone around you is um, either either a singer, dancer or an actor, you know, possibly all three. The idea of like the triple threat of acting, singing and dancing was always just this thing. And I was like, well, I'm never going to really be that because the the dancing just I never connected with it and I was really never able to do it. I, I'm. <laughs> 
fine that like you know if i like you know i'm out drinking with friends and we're like at a bar and there's a dance floor <laughs> that's a different thing but the sort of yeah, choreographed of um group ensemble numbers it just for some reason it just never i never was able to get a handle on it oh i loved it i was i took dance i took hip-hop as a child no i did not know this you did not know this oh my you god all right oh my god i don't know why but that reminds me of those memes that go around i don't know why it's just this is kind of weird but like you know those memes of like the white women that are teaching hip-hop that's that one <laughs> lady with like the really short spiky hair and she's just like you need to make it a little more urban but she's the whitest woman that you've ever seen oh my god i love i love that was we... that your was that your teacher or was she actually no like... <laughs> no she was white Oh, no, she was white. She was no, there's no spiky hair, and I don't remember. I was pretty young, but I don't remember any any comments like make it more urban or anything. She was just like, I don't know. I was, I was, I didn't make it to like the upper groups because mm. I was young. How how old were you around this time? Uh, for five years, so I, I think I was like f- six to eleven, five five Got to it. ten, yeah, maybe seven to twelve. <laughs> Um, I just keep going. Maybe one of those to thirteen. <laughs> one of those nine brackets. to fourteen. Maybe twenty to twenty-five. No, uh, I, I loved it. It was mostly. It wasn't like, like based off what she was teaching us, or at least at my level, it, we weren't going to be like. It wasn't like a stepping stone to go to like America's Got Talent with what she taught us. It was pretty much rhythm one hundred and one. Mm. To be honest, yeah, which I still liked, and especially as like. I believe a five to 10 year old, it was just fun. And I liked the music and we would put on recitals and we'd have a group number and then we'd go, we'd back up and sit down while the music's still going. And then we would each have a solo in front of the whole group. Oh, wow. Yeah. And in front of all the parents and then all the other groups would be in the back or along the sides. It was like basically just like a big square. It was in a gym and this was like their big, like aerobics auditorium or whatever. Mm-hmm. And one time I got up there, and I had a solo, and I was, and she counts as she counts you in with a mic, so people can hear. Uh, it, there's no like, oh god. So she's like, all right, Josh, all right, okay, here we go, five, six, seven, eight, and then I totally forgot what my dance oh, moves were. Oh no! Yeah, and I was like, oh, and then she could see my face. She's like, it's okay, it's okay, just go sit back down. We'll come back to you. And then I'm. It was weird because I hate being embarrassed, but I don't remember being embarrassed in that moment because she handled it so well, I think. Right. Where she was yeah. like, you're fine. It happens. Yeah. Just go back. We'll come back to you. It's fine. And then I go and sit down. And then I turn to my sister. I love my sister. And she starts doing the dance moves for me oh. in the back. She's like, she's like, look at me. She's like, look at me. And then she starts doing them. That's so sweet. And I was like, oh, okay, I got it. I got it. And then, and then. Uh, her name I forgot her name um, Jamie her name's Jamie I'm only saying this because she's a great person not like you're talking uh, about the teacher the teacher yeah yeah oddly enough she is uh, oh my god she's a famous actor's sister wow um, I want to say Bruce Willis <laughs> I'm not Whoa, joking that would be pretty rad Bruce Willis or Kurt Russell Kurt Russell yeah yeah Kurt Russell Kurt Russell is the coolest guy yeah um 
Just another fun fact. Uh, Kurt Russell's son, uh, Wyatt, was my sixth grade buddy at my um, lower school. No way. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, do- that, doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't really mean anything. At the lower school that I went to, I went to a school that was um, a private Episcopal school because my dad was the rector. And uh-huh. um, it was basically preschool through eighth grade. And in eighth grade, you had a kindergarten buddy, and they sort of did that weird thing where it's like, okay, well, if you have an if an eighth grader has a kindergarten buddy, they sort of went down where it was like, you know, seventh graders can sometimes have a first grade buddy. And then when I was in second grade, Wyatt was in um, sixth grade, and we were buddies, which me- which means we probably like throughout the year hung out with them one time, one or two times, <laughs> and just kind of like hung out. Um, wow. but he was a really nice kid and, um, why, uh, Kurt and Goldie came to his eighth grade graduation and I got to speak with them briefly and they are lovely people. Super normal, wow. super nice. Goldie Hawn is just like the sweet, I mean, she's just, she's an icon for a lot of different mm-hmm. reasons, but I think her, her warmth and her just genuineness is it's not fake. She's really just like that. She's just such yeah. a sweet woman. And that's so good. Um, yeah. She always, always good thoughts for her. Yeah. So we, it's so good to hear. That's always nice. I love that. So Cause it's funny. so not the, it's so not the case normally, which Sometimes, is unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, more often than not, I find that they're not that cool. Even people that like maybe aren't at the level of Goldie Hawn, you know, some of the like lower rung people can be huge you know not nice i'm not sure what i can say <laughs> on your podcast but um i would keep it yeah i, yeah, I, I we'll say keep it. I, I say jerk a lot just in case <laughs> yeah. there's like younger yeah a younger crowd that for listens. sure for but sure i say yeah. jerk a lot yeah so when i mean more sometimes but yeah definitely yeah, for sure. definitely yeah um yeah when i when we did those dance recitals we never i never remember i never remember kurt or goldie or like any of that like kate hudson or oliver hudson like mm-hmm. none of i don't remember any of them i was also really young so i wasn't like i loved overboard but i wasn't like oh my god that's kate. like as a five-year-old yeah you might not you know have been it, it might not have been it might have been to like even think but, about that but one of uh, but two of kurt's sons were in the upper groups um because it was like elementary middle school high school and advanced oh god and got it, got in it. the advanced were two of their sons and one of them is her name his name is brocker they had some interesting names um brocker and you might know him from the classic mary kate and olsen movie passport to paris oh my god <laughs> i uh, those those Dual Star Entertainment VHS tapes were <laughs> everything. Yeah. Everything. Oh my God. And I can't believe I hadn't, I, I'm realizing now, you know, now that I'm 30 and I'm like getting, a, I mean, you know, 30 is not old by any means, but like, I keep, I keep realizing when people mention these things to me from my past that like, I don't remember certain things that were so big and like so important yeah. to me. And though, God, those movies were really it for uh for our age group i think that was that was like the peak of entertainment i mean that sounds so silly to say now but like i remember every time there was one of those movies we would get the vhs tapes and we would watch them instantly i mean they were such a big deal yeah oh god yeah and they announced it they announced it they're like all right welcome brocker 
I forgot their last name, but it was like Brocker, and then his little brother is, they called him Chap. Chap, oh my god. C-H-A-P, and I think it's short for Chaplain. Like, it's not, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Anyways, um, I think uh, they, they were like the top two. They were like the Justin Timberlake, J.C. Chazé of the of the groups it was like older wow. brother younger brother yeah like you know not that obviously justin timberlake and jc chazay are related but in like that regard no for sure um i i got your reference yeah, 100%. yeah thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't i would say maybe michael jordan scotty pippen how about that <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that we'll just we'll cross there, the board there are a lot of different uh there's a lot of different, you know pairings we could <laughs> yeah. we could we could address <laughs> God, John so Lennon, funny. Paul McCartney. No, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> any of the top two of any major yeah. organization. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so they were in it. They were great. They were good dancers. And um, I never, I was uh, I was too old. Well, no, I don't know why I left because I loved it. But I just, I, I never got to those groups. And um, so I never um, uh, talked to them. But I stopped, I stopped in middle school and then, by the time that happened, they were like too old. But now, funny enough, that still happens. That same group happens to this day, but it's run by Jamie's uh, daughter, whose name is Forrest. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So she now she takes over it, and she was in the group with her cousins. So she's Kurt Russell's niece. Got it. Um, great. I mean, obviously, <laughs> a lot. A lot of years have gone by. <laughs> So I, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I, I hope they're still good people, but I, I'm pretty sure they are, you know? Yeah, I mean, I um, feel like um, when Goldie was doing press with Amy Schumer a few years ago for that movie that they did together, like mm-hmm. one of the big things that Goldie always talks about is how important family is to that unit of people. Like they always yeah. do family stuff together. And um, that's cool too. I mean, I, I like that they put that out there because, you know, it's so easy for us as like the public to sort of, just think these people are, are are islands where like they just exist in their own sort of unit as yeah. you know Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn but like yeah I love that they sort of put out there that like no our whole family is important and like that's that's one of our big things is like spending time with the kids and the grandkids I I like that sort of example being out there I think that that's not something that you see a lot um you know Brad Pitt will talk about his parents but like he's very rarely seen with those kids of his that are you know all 900 <laughs> of his kids. children that are running around um so it's uh, nice that like it, at least in the public I mean we we not we we might not be privy to those hangouts but like at least they're kind of out there talking about like yeah we we spend a lot of time with our family and that's that's important to us I love hearing that yeah it was always so cool um last thing about Kurt Russell and then we'll <laughs> just get one into- more thing <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll get into the podcast. Exactly. Now that we're 15 minutes in, we should probably relatively yeah. touch the topic that we came. Um, no, but I, just, I love it. I love this. I love he, this. Uh, his sons went to my high school's rival. So I went to Westlake High and his mm-hmm. sons went to Thousand Oaks High. Ooh, and, Thousand Oaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, and uh, <laughs> sorry, why do you say it like that? Because I, I, I'm pretty sure that was a that was a very competitive high school. I mean, I think that when I was in high school, I never played any sports, but I'm pretty sure that was a a big a big school that um, yeah, a lot of other LA area schools would like play against in 
I don't know, football or maybe soccer or stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> yes. ho- hockey. I mean, I don't know. I just, I have no idea, but no, no, no. I definitely heard, heard, um, Thousand Oaks school in that, in being talked about in that way of, of, you know, school championships and stuff like that. It was definitely from what I remember, it was definitely a competitive school. It was very competitive. And, uh, it wasn't a, it's not a bad school. I have plenty of friends who went there and they're very nice people. So it wasn't like, Oh, I'm sure. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like that, but when you're in that age and you have a rival, Oh God, it's like to the, to the untrained eye. If you saw Westlake and if you saw a thousand Oaks, you would think Westlake is very preppy and snobbish and mm. kind of hoity toity versus thousand Oaks, which is still in the same city yeah. of the same type of people. But it's like, like ours had multiple buildings with multiple floors. Theirs was just all one floor and a lot of like black top basketball right. courts. Yeah. So yeah. you might think it was one thing, like you might like. I I remember this one filmmaker who like did this video, said like you know you're from West like when, dot dot dot, and mm. it was like when you think, like, this one like promenade was sketch. And it was like not sketch at all. It was just, yeah. it just wasn't. I don't know. There are so many stupid opinions about it, but it's a great, it's a great school. It's very competitive. Um, uh, but anyway, Kurt Russell was at one of the basketball games because they went on to like the playoffs in one time, and he was there. And there was like no one crowding him, no one asking for his autograph. People just knew he was there, and he was mm-hmm. like excited, and he like. And he jumped up and down for his for his sons. I, I believe maybe it was his, maybe maybe it was his uh, nephews, but he was there. That's um, so cool. I thought it was yes. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. Well, and that's a situation in which pe- people maybe wouldn't bother someone like that in that situation because they understand like, okay, we're here to like watch our kid play and like be supportive. He's doing the same thing, so we should probably give him his space i mean i, I think yeah. that's a good that's a nice respect thing of like he's not here promoting a movie or like doing an interview he's here to watch his kid and let's you know let him do that that's certainly how i would think you know i i mm-hmm. i would never i would never be the type of person that would bother a celebrity like living their life because i think that that's those moments especially for bigger name actors are few and far between where you can just be in your life and be a person so i don't think i would ever like you know, if someone one time um, I saw the queen of all things, Laura Dern, um, at a restaurant with her two <laughs> children, and so badly wanted to go up to her and just be like, "You are ev- everything um, in in all ways." But I think seeing her with her kids and kind of just being a mom, I was like, "I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. step into that space." You know, that's a very that's a very private thing you know someone just just with their kids she wasn't with you know a partner or anybody else it was just her and her two kids and i was like you know what i'm not gonna i don't want to broach that space because that's a it's a special space and i would never you know if i were in a situation where my parent was famous i don't think i would take too kindly to someone coming up to them all the time when i'm just out with my mom you know Uh i would just be like no leave us alone (laughs) like i want to have a day with my mom so I agree. I would hate that. Yeah. Um, okay. 
We can always talk about Kurt Russell. That's always. Fine. I'm not always. trying to stop that. We can do that in our own lives. <laughs> we can. So from that 19-minute tangent. Um, oh, well. So we first, I remember we first met because we were in the men's chorus. Yes. That, that's where this all started. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and we had, the last gig we had was in this tiny church with mm-hmm. like horrible acoustics, which I thought was so Terrible. funny because we would perform in great acoustics or great places with great acoustics. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, yeah, our last, our last like hurrah or whatever to like, because this, this class wasn't always um, available. So it was kind of like, we have it this semester. Let's take advantage of it. I, I felt like that. 100%. I mean, and I think that that was something that was in all of our heads because Zane, the the director of the group, always talked about that and was like, yeah. you know, we, we are only able to do this right now because because this many people were interested and available. I mean, I don't, I, I remember like, possibly doing like a, a tiny audition but i think you know anyone at that point that wanted to be in it was in because they needed a certain amount to even be able to hand out the credits yeah and we knew by that time it wasn't available next semester right we did so yeah. we i think i know personally i wanted to be like yeah let's make this so much fun and like mm-hmm. this you know even though i was like super quiet but on the inside i was like <laughs> let's do this in my and feelings. Our holding room was you describe it better, but it wasn't a normal oh, place. What was no, it? No, no. It was it was it was a under it was underneath the church. Like it's a, um, sorry, it's a, it's a normal place, but it's not a normal like green room. No, that's definitely what, what not. Definitely not. Um and the church, I mean again, it, it was a tiny church. It was a very small space and I remember you and I, I think that was really one of the first times you and I had really hung out yes. a lot. Because not only did we, I mean, obviously we were in the group, but I think what we had done was because we might have also been the only two freshmen in the group. And I think that we linked up to take the, this was the first time we, I think, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember this being the first time that we had to take like sort of a weird bus route to get to where we were going. So you and I took the bus together and that was the first time I'd been on this. I mean, I had taken the the M, you know, the one that's literally right outside of San Francisco State. I'd taken that downtown many, 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 many times. Yeah. But this was the first time I was doing, like, a bus thing where we had to, like, transfer. And, yeah, same. Um, Wasn't it, like, the 47? Or, like, it was a weird, like, ugh. Like, you just see the number on a bus, you're like, is that correct? I mean, yeah, we were going up, I think we were going up to where City College might have been, maybe even a little bit past that. And I had yeah. never been in that area. And I just remember we bonded so much because we were both, like, what is happening? <laughs> where yeah. where are we? Oh yeah, we were both early. We were right? so early. We had to You're hang out uh, just around for a little bit. Um, yeah. But I think that was you know both of us too were like let's like give ourselves an abundance of time yeah. because I mean Zane was also I remember him being the kind of guy that punctuality was very important. He did not like it if we were late. He did not like it if we didn't show up. Yeah. On time with you know extra time. So I think we both were just like let's just get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the green room was, <laughs> I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, it must have just been their space where they did like Sunday school or, um, you know, church school, whatever that is for, for like really young kids. Cause it was yeah. a bunch of like dirty toys and, and like a, a little, I think like one corner was like a quote unquote library that had like maybe two shelves of books yeah. that, and you that mean, weren't even obviously, full. Obviously you mean dirty isn't like dusty dusty yeah no not yeah, not yeah. like not like, <laughs> like you know. inappropriate 
yeah, like, yeah. didn't even but think like not like dirty toys but like <laughs> just not not really kept very well yeah. and i think there was mm-hmm. a, there at one point like there was an area where it was like a sitting area but the table and the chairs were obviously built for like four or five year olds so like all of yeah. us that were like grown men are like well we can't sit here we'll break, yeah. <laughs> we'll break this stuff um but it was it, it was um I'm really glad I did men's chorus. I mean, I'm, I'm oh, obviously me we we wouldn't have met really any other way. But I think mm-hmm. it was a good it was a good thing to sort of start with something that was a little um, a little all over the place and a little um, you know um, what am I trying to say? Something that you know. I mean, as you said, like we we knew at that point that we weren't coming back the next semester, so it really yeah. kind of forced you, as you said, to like enjoy what you were doing. Yeah. And um, I, I, again, as I've said, I've, I've always sung, so I always knew that I, you know, even even now, I know I always know that it's kind of my responsibility to sort of find these things that I can do creatively to fill that space because, um, you know, obviously no one's going to do that for you. you. You have to be the one to sort of guide that um, journey for yourself. And um, this was a really good starting off point because it was a small group. And when you're in a small group like that, you do have to carry your weight. There's no way that you can, you know, when there's 16 people, four people to a part, you can't um, rest on your laurels, I guess. Even even though, you know, I, yeah. I would say in terms of the groups that existed at SFSU at the time, we were probably on the lower rung. I mean, I would definitely say that Chamber, or, Chamber Chorus and University Chorus were like a little bit higher above this group. But it was great oh, yeah. practice because we had to be on. We couldn't not show up to rehearsal or these performances, like not knowing a part. That just that wouldn't work. And that that's a it was a good sort of work ethic starting point that I think I've all I've always in a way sort of carried with me. I never thought of it that way, but that's so true. Yeah, because men's chorus was the, the sixteen, and then chamber choir was like thirty two, and then yeah, somewhere some, between like thirty and forty. 30 I, and 40. I, I was never in it, but um, same. Uh, which really pissed me off because I really wanted to be in it and was told by several people that I could be in it. But um, it was the reading of the music thing that I just didn't really feel confident about. And that was a very kind of hard line that David Icke's always laid where it's like, well, if you cannot read music, we can't have you in. And I'm like, well... Yeah, I don't know. that's a whole. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. I, I have lots of thoughts on that, thing, but um, <laughs> that is, and <laughs> not just David Ickes, but just that that idea. the The reading of the music thing is a, is a is a very interesting choral um, issue. I, I find, um, mm-hmm. and now I'm in a group. You know, I'm, I'm a member of the gay uh, LA Gay Men's Chorus, and mm-hmm. you know, it's reading music is by no means a requirement which is really great i mean that's just it's it's just not i mean i think they kind of recognize that a lot of people don't learn that way i mean i have i have a really good ear and that's always how i've learned uh, was kind of listening to things and the fact that uh, you know at sfsu that wasn't really thought of as like a skill it was almost like well you can't read music so it's a lack of a skill and it's like well no if i if i don't need to it's actually almost more beneficial that i can just hear something and kind of parrot it back um i i always thought i don't know if you feel differently about that no i feel i feel the same way because yeah it was always whenever i heard the words sight read i was like (gasps) like i would like terror i would like i would absolute terror go like super like just i would stress out so much yeah um i agree i would do but i felt i felt more confident in my ear rather than my eyes 100 percent um 
but we can start we can <laughs> 27 minutes in we can we can start there. <laughs> we can get started <laughs> no no i mean like you and i we both sing and we obviously we still to this day um i'm so jealous that uh i want to be in an organized choir group right now but i don't know where um but even growing up in high school and college were you ever were you ever bullied for being in those groups um yeah that's a that's a tricky one i mean i think that definitely i mean i was certainly bullied i mean i'll 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 go as sort of a blanket statement that definitely happened um okay i will say though that it one it wasn't necessarily related to the singing and the and the performing i don't i don't think it i mean that definitely kind of was a part of it but that wasn't the main factor yeah. And also in terms of bullying, I would say up until high school, I, I was still definitely bullied, but the bullying wasn't the typical, like, you know, there's some little thug that's going to like beat me up and take my lunch money type of thing. The bullying, bu- bullying was a lot more implicit and it was a lot more um, in the way that the other boys spoke to me, not really so much the things that they were doing. Uh-huh. Um, like I was never beat up. That never happened. I was never like physically attacked for you know, being who I was, but certainly, I mean, and I think this is a, you know, for any other, um, you know, as a gay man, I think a lot of what the bullying was initially, especially when these other boys possibly didn't know what a gay person was, a lot Mm. of it was just calling me a girl and calling me feminine. And Mm. I remember there was one guy that I really didn't like, um, who just, you know, whenever we would be in the restroom at the same time, he would say really kind of dumb things like, well, why aren't you using the girls' restroom? It was stuff like that. It wasn't really, um, nothing was ever particularly cruel or, um, they were mean, but it wasn't like they were, you know, you know, um, it wasn't so specific. Um, it was really, I mean, like I said, it was really implicit. It was all suggestive and, um, I mean, and when I got to high school, that that sort of changed. I mean, there was one guy during my freshman and sophomore year who would, like, make physical threats to me. But I also, mm. at that point, had become pretty comfortable with who I was and had a pretty good friend group that really... I, I would, you know, I a couple of times definitely stood up for myself to him, but I also had friends that were like, if you come near him, there will be a problem, which was good. Oh, I that's mean, so cool. Yeah, people that were just like, I mean, and a, and a lot of them were theater people, um, theater girls that I um, was friends with who were just like, no, 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 that's not how it's going to be. Yeah, don't, and, don't, um, don't mess with theater. Yeah, and <laughs> and one thing too, I mean, especially specifically about this one guy was that he was this guy who freshman year he came off as like, oh, I'm a redneck. I'm really, he was just, he always wore like camo and was kind Uh of you know southern and gross and just not he was just a huge huge jerk um Mm -hmm. but we found a bunch of us found out during sophomore year that he had actually the year before our freshman year moved to the u.s from russia and he was basically cosplaying a redneck um that wasn't who he actually was he had a really thick russian accent and he was russian and um You know, I think that speaks to, you know, the world in 2004 was a lot different than it is now. And I think that, you Uh know, I I can't speak to what it actually was that was going on there. But it almost seems like he had found the typical, what he thought to be the typical American persona and adopted it. And and was, I mean, his name, I won't say his name. I I keep wanting to because it relates so much to the the redneck aspect of him. But um, 
That's so interesting. It was very interesting. And there was one day that um, he, he, I mean, and this is the kind of shit that he would do all the time. I mean, he would just basically say, like, uh, one day, I, you know, a friend of mine um, had, like, you know, hurt their um, ankle or something, or, like, dislocated their ankle, and they were walking around with crutches, and she was sitting down, and I got up and just was kind of, you know, fooling around, walking around on the crutches. And he said something to me about, you know, to the effect of, like, you know, if you don't, you know, you know, if you're not careful, like, we'll make sure, like, you need to use those crutches for real or something like that. Ooh. And at that point, luckily enough, though, there was actually a teacher right there who heard him say that. And he got taken away and sort of, um, I think he was punished for saying that. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, so that's my, that's really my experience with bullying. I mean, I'd certainly, mm-hmm. um, during my first, first few years at Pally, there were, like, the outliers who would, like, you know, call me the F word and just say kind of, you know, yeah. quiet things. But once I really kind of established myself in the theater department and really, truly just became a little bit more comfortable with my own sexuality, it really just became this thing of, like, well, I'm going to do what I'm going to need to do to, you know, be a star in this theater department. And if that's going to bother you, that's just going to be... That's just going to bother you. I don't really have... I didn't mm-hmm. really have... Um, the bandwidth once I really started caring about getting good roles and, and establishing myself as like a good performer. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I, I, I feel like we all always, even at young ages really only have so much room in our heads for what's going on, especially when you're younger. I mean, you really only have a certain amount of your brain bandwidth that you can dedicate to certain things mm-hmm. and performing for me just became such an important thing that a lot of other stuff just sort of, fell by the wayside. I mean, I will say too, you know, my grades weren't awesome ever because I was really (laughs) focusing on performing, but that's the same mentality that sort of made my grades slip and, you know, never really great. I feel like truly was the same mentality that really helped me develop as a performer. It just became the most important thing to me. And I needed to be a great singer, be a great actor. You know, the dancing thing, as I said, never really clicked, but I spent so much time focusing on those things that the idea of being bullied never really came up. And I think especially in within the theater department, like no one was going to say anything to me, even if they thought it like there was just, there was no room for that um, at all. You know, no one was going to be like, Oh, look at that weirdo. And it's like, really, you're in a room full of these weirdos. Like even if they're, (laughs) you know, we, and we had a lot of straight guys at my, at my theater department too, who in turn would not put up with someone, um, saying you know homophobic things to me or even like you know slightly threatening me in any way it just wasn't okay you know at at that that stage no it was great and i you know i feel like a lot of people really don't like high school i think the general consensus is that high school is really tough but for me i loved it i had a great time again school wise i didn't you know necessarily i didn't have a 4.0 if if that's you know the thing but um theater and performing really kind of helped me find out who I was. And in that, and, and once I sort of started figuring out who I was, it was kind of like, well, you know, people are always going to have issues with you. You know, you're never going to be loved by everybody. So it's more important, I think, to really... And, and, you know, I will say, too, that, like, that process is an ongoing one that I'm still very much in today. You know, I don't think you ever kind of land on a thing of, like, oh, this is who I am and this is, like, my docket... Um, and it's permanent, like that's always shifting and it's always sort of moving around. So I just, I think I kind of figured out early on that that process was just mine to figure out. And, um, 
kind of let everything else sort of fall by the wayside. I think also timing is really important. You know, as I started high school in 2004, graduated in 2008, and the world changed a lot over those four years. I think just, <laughs> yes, you know, and, and especially in terms of gay rights and, and how people looked at gay people, a lot changed. Mm-hmm. Um, in in terms of the cultural outlook, I, I will say that, you know, again, after after leaving high school in the summer of 2008, then going to SFSU in the fall of 2008, and then Obama getting elected, which was amazing, but then Prop 8 mm-hmm. getting passed, which was not good. Clearly, legislatively, we were not where we needed to be. But I feel like just in terms of the world at large, the ideas moved. So therefore, you know, someone being gay was no longer um, the most important thing to be talking about. And um, so, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. It does. All, it definitely does. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's so great that you weren't, that you had friends that would back you up and it's great that you weren't like afraid to go to school and you felt comfortable in your skin which i can't like i would love for everybody to be able to well comfortable in the skin is you know i as i said that's something i'm kind of working on still to this day and probably i think we all will be true for all of our lives but i think at least early on i had the i had the good sense to be like well yeah that guy's you know calling me names but I'm here doing what I want to do and it makes me feel good. So if it makes me feel good, just because he's calling me something for doing it doesn't mean it's wrong. Um, But yeah, but but just to have, just to be able to have that mindset at that age, I think that's amazing. I I definitely didn't and I'm straight. Like, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an automatic sexuality thing sometimes. No, that, and that's definitely true. I mean, yeah, I I think that... um, and, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe for whatever reason, I mean, again, going to school in, you know, Los Angeles, there is a much, there was just, there was a much more liberal outlook, I think, from the beginning. I mean, I don't think I really needed to worry about a whole lot of that stuff mm-hmm. because, um, and as we said, at that, at that particular time, the idea of gay rights was becoming a lot more of a thing that just people talked about. I think it was, yeah. it's always been an issue, but there weren't actively people sort of being like, we, need, we do need to change this dialogue a little bit more. And that yeah. did sort of happen in the time that I was going to high school, mm-hmm. for sure. I, uh, I didn't have, I had the same experiences as you, as in there weren't really bullies like take take my lunch money yeah just just growing up even in Mm -hmm. elementary school middle school maybe it was the friends i hung out with um but especially in high school when i was in choir i just hung out in the choir room all yeah all day like i was in class we'd hang out there at lunch we could have like rehearsals at lunch you could have section like sectionals like with our piano teeth with the the accompanist um Mm -hmm. like things could be you were in a safe space and yeah. like, no, like anybody who didn't want to be there, they didn't go in there. Like it wasn't like people would come in and be like, Hey, all of you are yeah, <laughs> so like all these yeah. uh, horrible words. It was not like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was never well, I think, afraid. I think that there's something about having a group of people like that, that there, there seems to almost be some built in protection when there's a big group of like theater kids it is really scary. It would, I mean, even from the bullying perspective, it, it would probably be really scary for one bully to come up to 15 theater kids and be like, y'all are freaks. Because then you've got 15 <laughs> theater kids that are like, oh, really? Who all yeah, yeah. have each other's backs, <laughs> who all just, know, who love what they're doing, who who want to be performers, who, 
And I feel like, you know, in terms of friends, friend groups, like, I saw a lot of different friend groups come and go at Pally, but, like, the theater kids that I started with in ninth grade were still the theater kids I was hanging out with as a senior. We mm. always were just still friends, and I think that that's not always true if you don't have a group mentality in high school. I mean, I definitely knew certain friends that I was only friends with during junior year when we had a class together, or, um, yeah. you know, one of my, you know, someone that I'm still friendly with today, we met in senior year because there there were there was one day we did a rotating schedule so we had three long classes on one day and then it switched the next day and for whatever reason this friend and I had one one of the days we had every class together and we just became friendly and we started yeah. talking she was not in the theater department so that's you know that's that's a different thing yeah are you thinking of like the visual <laughs> of a bunch of theater kids like I'm meeting trying at one to <laughs> that sounds terrifying doesn't um, it sound... I mean, but that's the thing. It would probably, for like a bully, a it would probably be really scary to step up to 15 kids who, you know, aren't necessarily, you know, the most confident people in the world, but there's power in numbers. There always has been. And yeah. there's something about a group of young kids who are doing the same thing and have the same interests and like to be around each other that it's, you know, like I said, it's almost like some built-in protection in a way. It's really cool yeah. that we kind of look 100%. out for each other. And if any one of these people would say something negative about one of my friends that are girls, like, I would certainly step up and be like, hey, that's not okay. You can't yeah. really do that. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that there aren't outliers. I mean, there was certainly, when I was a of freshman... Course. When I was a freshman, there was a girl who was in the theater department who was still using the F word just kind of as part of the vernacular. And, you know, to to play a really kind of devil's advocate role that I don't really like, unfortunately, that role was just part of the way people talked back then. I mean, you know, calling, oh, saying, oh, that's gay for a negative thing had not really been examined yet. That was still very much a part of it. But I will say yeah. that over the over the four years that I was there... Even that really did change. No one was saying that anymore, really. I mean, certainly mm -hmm. there were those that kind of were stuck in their ways that were still doing it, but on the whole, it was a lot less. Yeah, I was never, I was never afraid of being called that in choir for some reason, and I think, I mean, it might have been. I had the same girlfriend all four years, and we were pretty close. Like. Obviously, we were pretty close because we were together, but like, we were kind of like never, we were kind of never really apart except for like our classes and when right. at school. So, um, but like, and that's I was pretty, on... and that's pretty typical, I would think, um, right? Mm -hmm. For a relationship in high school, I think so. Um, my, I remember my mom was like, whenever she was around us, we were always like talking, and she's like, I'm astounded that you guys still have something to talk about because you're around <laughs> each other all the time. And thinking about it, like we didn't obviously we didn't live together and cell phones were becoming a thing mm. but we we would do we would do like aim call like AIM. we would talk on aim oh my god and i remember <laughs> i remember i remember she had three names she had three screen names and you remember when they would like log on it would be like like oh, you yeah. hear the door uh -huh. oh yeah when i heard those three doors open i was like she's on <laughs> and then we'd talk for like that was like for freshman year and sophomore year yeah but I mean, having a girlfriend in high school, but also I think, I think it was the fact that, I mean, I played basketball for two years and I was mm -hmm. never talked about, I was never bullied for being in choir ever. I don't know if they knew, but even if they did, I wasn't like, 
ashamed. Like I, right. I didn't shout it from a mountaintop, but I wasn't like, if they came at me about it, I wouldn't be like, I'm not in there. Would, would yeah. you, like, you, you don't know. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, I am. And I, okay. Uh, it, so it wasn't like a, it wasn't like I was afraid for my life type of situation, but it did help that I think there was a lot of girls in mm. it and not a lot of guys. And like, we would go to, in high school, we would go to like the two, um, middle schools where most of the students that come to Westlake, we would go, we would travel on one day and we do assemblies. We would perform for them mm-hmm. and our teacher would say like yeah it's a great this is a great program i think you guys have a lot of fun um and then obviously you need to be like and boys just look at the numbers yeah you'd be like uh for every boy there's four girls literally yeah and for and straight so, guys that's that would yeah. be such a <laughs> it's like that's why not who, do theater and be exactly. surrounded that's, by women all the time yeah that's who he was trying to recruit um <laughs> yeah he was uh he was just like, guys, like, look, like, I mean, so I think it, it's kind of like that mentality of bring it on where mm. the football <laughs> players, the football players see the male cheerleaders stretching with the, yes. with the oh other girls. That iconic scene with Eliza Dushku. Yeah. And then. And that guy. And she's like asking <laughs> him to like spread her leg farther. Oh my yeah. God. I remember. I remember feeling like, oh man, maybe that's what they're thinking. Yeah. Or like. Mm-hmm. Maybe they think I'm like at an advantage. And me, I was with one. I had a girlfriend. Yeah, you were in a monogamous relationship. Like, I, happily, like I wasn't trying to, but I could see why people, why straight men could see the appeal. But absolutely. Try, but I think I had that blanket of like, oh, I'm safe because I'm in a thing with uh, so many girls, so I'll get the approval of all the guys. Right. Or I would yeah. use that. I'd be like, hey, like I'm in choir. I mean, I, ne- I never had to, but I had the I, I had the armor of, but there's a lot of girls. Mm-hmm. I never used it because I never, uh, I never had, I never felt like I had to. And also I was in a relationship, so I, I, yeah. I didn't matter how many girls. Yeah. Um, but still, for the approval of the other straight men, at least, um, I had that in my back pocket, which I honestly wish it wasn't the reason I wish I I didn't need that. I wish I just had the self confidence to be like, you know what? No, I like it, and there happens to be a lot of girls. Mm-hmm. And yeah. how is this hurt? How is this hurting you? Yeah. But in my high school self, I was like, well, they'll be okay with it because uh, I'm around a lot of girls, and maybe mm-hmm. they're not. So yeah. I'll, okay, I'll 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 remember that every time they come and talk to me. Mm-hmm. They never did. I never used it. Yeah. But yeah. I wish, honestly, and I know it's it. It's difficult to say because we're like fourteen to eighteen. We're still growing up. I mean, yeah, we're. Oh my god, we're children. We're children still, even when we leave high school. Yeah, but you think like you're an adult and you can do whatever you know. (laughs) You think you know everything. Yeah, of course, of course. So we're like fifteen going on thirty, and yeah, and now I'm thirty, going on fifteen. Like I'm just like, oh my god, that's exactly. (laughs) I'm just realizing how like how much I still have to learn as a person. Yeah, Uh, but I never, yeah, I never had a swirly. Like, I never worried about that. Um, well, but- and, and I think that, too, I mean, you, you sort of, um, I think you hit the nail on the head, too, where I think a lot of, you know, a lot of bullying, I mean, I will say maybe, and, you know, being in L.A., maybe we were at an advantage. I feel like bullying, maybe it's maybe it's a regional issue. I just, I don't, I don't also, I mean, I've talked to a lot of True. different people who went to a lot of different high schools. I don't remember anyone really in L.A., 
and again, I, I can only talk about my own experience, but I don't remember anyone I, I knew who went to high school in LA talking a lot about bullying. I just don't know if it was very much a thing. And again, maybe it's part of the timing where, you know, I feel like a lot of the standard bullying tropes were maybe born in like the 1980s, like, you know, kind of the like stand by me type of thing where it's like, there are those mean kids that will like beat you up. Um, I just, I just didn't, I never felt like that even really existed at the school that I went to. And having Same. talked to a bunch of people, I just, I'm not sure it was so much of a thing as it was even, you know, 10 years before we went to high school. Yeah, I agree. With with my high school, I don't remember that. But also, I, again, yeah, I was in the choir room all the time. So I, exactly, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't really see yeah. it. So it, it probably was there. But I, I just never saw it. And it, it didn't make like... It just like, wasn't present enough for it to be like a predominant theme in your story. And, and yeah. really, it seems like in the school overall. Yeah. I mean, obviously there were issues, but it, that was totally. not, yeah. that was not, um, that was not uh, one of them. Yeah. But I, I don't know why I just never, growing up, I never really felt like the fact that I loved to sing was like less masculine mm. than others. And I think it was really because a lot of it had to do with like girls like to sing Mm-hmm. Singing with a girl is really fun. Yeah. Like being able to do that with another person, it, it's like a, di- I don't know what it is. It's like a different high. And I was like, I never felt like, oh yeah, I like to sing and, and dance. Like I just never really took it as like, oh, well that's like, well that's gay or that's right. weak. Yeah. I just never felt that way. And a lot of my friends, um, a majority of the guys in my choir group were straight or at yeah. least they weren't out if, if anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but a, ma- I mean, a majority of my friends that were in it were, were straight or straight, are straight. Yeah. And some played sports. I played basketball. Some people played football. Um, so we, we had those very heterosexual tropes of high school with mm. us, but since they, were in choir it was never like i don't know i for yeah. me it, it wasn't a downside and i <laughs> i remember seeing one guy come to one of the concerts and i just remember thinking i'm still gonna have fun we're still gonna do our thing yeah like one of the basketball players who was dating someone who mm. was in choir uh, he came to one of the concerts and I wasn't ashamed to be there at all. And yeah. yeah, I was a senior, so I had four years to like prep of like Yeah, you're you're pretty established choir. at that point, yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah. I uh my like whatever I whatever I knew about masculinity at that point, I just it was it never faltered at that point mm. um, of my life with choir. I never I I never I just never thought about it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I mean, it, you know, the first thought I had when you asked me to be on this podcast specifically that has to do with masculinity of course my first thought was of course yes because I want you know it's just when you and I talk it's always fun to like get into all of the nitty-gritty of things we've always been able to like have really good conversations but oh yeah it was also super interesting because masculinity has been something I've thought about rarely if ever in my life just overall Mm -hmm. I all the time you you think about it all the time all the time I I mean I just I don't know I don't know if it's I don't know I don't know if it's the gay thing I don't know if it's the I don't know if it's just always being around two sisters where 
being, I guess, a little bit quote unquote more feminine was just kind of the norm in our house so that it what it wasn't really looked that weird. I mean, I just, I don't, I, I, I don't think about masculinity a whole lot. I mean, it, it's funny because the idea of being masculine or, you know, the shortened, you know, mask, quote unquote mask is, is actually become in the last few years, a pretty problematic term in the gay community because it kind of, um, you know, if you're looking at a dating app and stuff like that, and guys are like, oh, please be masked, like, don't be femme. It's kind of like, well, that's mm. weird. It's a weird thing because um, I think, you know, your your sort of biggest question that you would ask with this podcast definitely comes up. What does masculine look like? I think that there's no, yeah. there's no way to sort of really... I mean, I don't know. This is this is sort of. I mean, when you asked me about this podcast, and I was just like kind of thinking of things to pull. One thing really stuck in my mind in terms of like thinking about masculinity, and it's from one of my favorite films, and probably just one of the best films of all time overall, The Birdcage, which uh-huh. is um, for those. I hope people listening to this podcast would know <laughs> about that film, but it's a it's an incredible movie from the mid '90s, um, directed by Mike Nichols, written by Elaine May. Um, she wrote it. She wrote it. She wrote the screenplay. I never knew that. She adapted the play. Yeah, it's a and it's brilliant. I mean, it's 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 literally one of it's it's one of the funniest movies ever. Um, mm-hmm. It's got one of the best casts you can ever put together, and 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 people that you probably wouldn't have seen all together. I mean, Robin Williams, Nathan Lane, Gene Hackman, Diane Weist, Callista Flockhart for Christ's sake, as as a baby. I mean, this was before Ali McBeal came along. Yeah. Um, Dan Futterman, um, Christine Baranski. Oh goddess um but you know again for those who don't know the movie it's a you know uh robin williams and nathan lane play a gay couple who um adopt well not adopt because he is robin williams's biological son they have raised um a son together and his the son has fallen in love and is going to marry um the daughter of an extremely conservative senator who basically wouldn't accept the fact that this boy's parents are um, two gay men who run a drag club called The Birdcage, hence hence the title of the film. Mm-hmm. And um, at one point, they, you know, I won't go through the... I, I could literally sit here and, and describe the film <laughs> scene by scene to, to you, but I won't do that. <laughs> um, there's a... Basically what happens is that the, the parents... Something happens with the conservative father's... Um, he was introducing some bill, um, and and his partner on the bill dies in a very he dies with an underage prostitute. So they're looking for ways to sort of build build back um, their conservative image, and they decide that they're going to meet their daughter's, you know, new. She lies, and of course says that you know the dad's like a cultural attaché, and the mom's a housewife. Meanwhile, it's two gay men who run a drag club. They basically decide that they need to, um, you know, have the the. Um, Nathan Lane's character needs to play, you know, the role of the uncle and, you know, have him play straight and just say that the mom's, you know, not around or whatever. So he, Nathan Lane and Robin Williams go to like a, you know, a restaurant or a park or something and they have, Robin Williams basically has Nathan Lane like try to pretend to be straight, which is the funniest thing you can ever imagine. Just watching Nathan Lane. I mean, I love Nathan Lane. He is a great actor, but watching him try to be straight is just the funniest thing you can, Mm -hmm. you can ever see. And there's one point where, they're talking about like, well, okay, like who can I, you know, who can I emulate to sort of, you know, put off a masculine image? And Robin Williams says, well, just pretend to be John Wayne, you know, pretend like you're getting off a horse and 
coming into the saloon and, you know, do, do a John Wayne. And so Nathan Lane, kind of, you know, tries to do a John Wayne is sort of lumbering around and, and, um, comes back and Robin Williams is sort of giving him this weird look. And Nathan Lane says, Oh, was that not good? And Robin Williams after a beat goes, actually it was perfect. I just never realized John Wayne walked like that. Um, and that for me, I think is such a, it's, it's a clearly a hilarious, I mean, it's great writing on behalf of Elaine May. It's a brilliant little moment, but I think that says so much. If you, if you kind of think about, think about what's going on there. I mean, I think that there's, you know, what we see as masculine and what, and what, people think of as masculine overall if you really examine it sometimes it it, you don't always know what you're looking at and you don't always think about how like oh is that is that really what I think it is um because clearly you know thinking about John Wayne he is this sort of iconic image of um a man and and you know for lack of a better term he's he's very you know he's 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 very tall broad not particularly handsome, but just has has a sort of it's like rugged ruggedness to him, more or less, you know. Yeah, yeah. But then when you put that, I mean, I, how I see it is like, okay, do all the you know all of these things, you know, the walk, all of that. That's supposedly masculine, but you put it on somebody else, and it may not necessarily be masculine. What is masculine for one person, it doesn't always translate. I find and. I think that a lot of our old ideas of masculinity, it's, it, it is weird because a lot of it is kind of like from the Old West, like John Wayne, the Marlboro Man, um, James Bond, even in, in, in a certain way. It's, like, oh, it's yeah. like, are these things, is what we're seeing masculinity, quote unquote, or is this, all the masculine things out there, I always feel like are very specific versions of one type of masculinity the heteronormative masculinity where obviously James Bond doesn't think twice about you know sleeping with a bunch of different women while still like getting his job done it's it's this weird I I don't know it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting thing so that moment in the birdcage always kinds of kinds of kind of stuck with me because it's like it's funny when you you think you you think you know what masculine is and then you see it elsewhere and you're kind of like, oh, that that isn't what I thought it was. Or it, it doesn't necessarily track from person to person. Um, yeah. There's no, bl- I don't think there's a blanket sort of thing. And I think especially now that we're getting into 2020 and, you know, over the past few years, there have been a lot of famous men who have sort of spoken up about this topic. I mean, I think um, once the Me Too movement really kicked off, it was, I think his name is Justin Baldoni, the actor from... Jane yep, the Virgin yep, yep. does a was... great TED talk about this mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and kind of re reevaluating what it means to be um, masculine. And then um, one of my favorite guys in the world, Kumail Nanjiani was on Ellen once and was talking about how like he, he just kind of realized that he needed to like ask for things that he needed. Like he would always be like, I'd be angry for four hours and then would like take a sip of water and be like, Oh, I was just thirsty. Like, you know, these like (laughs) men are not taught to, to be like, okay, if I'm, you know, maybe I'm just hungry. Maybe I'm thirsty. Maybe I just need to sit down. Maybe I need to talk about something. It's just worse. We're not really taught. I think generally to be examining our own emotions and, and really think about what's going on inside. It's all about like, Oh, well, we're the man and we just need to get it done. And it's like, well, I think that's no help. No help, no assistance, and I think no that unfortunately yeah. that's been a very broken way to think. And clearly, yeah. I mean, as as someone like me who's 
been going, you know, I, you know, did therapy when I was younger, but I've been, you know, in, in therapy again for the past three years. And I can tell you that my life would be a completely different thing if I had chosen not to go back to therapy than if I had. I mean, I'm, I'm so much happier now having been in therapy for three years and kind of, you know, I mean, I, I think I'm still a long ways off from what you would call like getting a handle on things, but I feel a lot better about things because I'm, I'm better at looking at my emotions and saying, okay, I'm really twisted up about something. What is it? And, 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 and a lot of it is the work of you have to identify, you have to identify your own emotions. Yeah. And men are not taught to do that. Nope. <laughs> no, nope. I mean, it's, it's true. It's, it's, it's so true. We're not a majority of the time, everything. I feel the same way about therapy. I, I, I haven't gone in a while and like it started with money and then COVID and then mm-hmm. a majority uh, and then a little yeah. bit of both. Yeah. But even, even before the last time I went, I was still able to look inside myself and realize like, Oh, every time, obviously every time anyone's angry, but especially I think every, every time a man is not, every time a man is angry, I believe it's really never because of the thing that they're, angry about in that moment. 100%. And it's 100%. like 100%. And it's it makes me laugh sometimes because I would I would, I never said it but I uh it was always so funny when I I used to work at a fast food restaurant and mm-hmm. um there was this one time where this um uh, a man and a, a woman they they ordered and then I basically got their order wrong and uh he he basically wanted these three burgers, but he wanted them with bacon on it. And I didn't hear the bacon part. Mm. So we ordered it. I put it in. Everything was fine. They were really nice. I came in and they're like, oh, like I, <laughs> I was, um, my God, I'm just realizing like how bad I'm telling the story. <laughs> <It's okay>. <laughs> 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 you know that part in Friends where Ross is like, "Oh my God, just say something." Yeah, <laughs> this is the longest time someone's yes. spoken without words. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking in my head. They walk up, I, I get it wrong, and they said, "Oh, I said bacon." Like you heard me, I said bacon, and I was like, "I'm sorry, I did not hear you." Yeah, and he like got like he gave me like, <sighs> yeah, yeah, like some of those, and I just thought like, where was this guy like five minutes ago? And then also, I didn't say it, but I was like, I, I I was really mad. And when I am at work and I get mad, I just get either, this isn't good, by the way, everybody who's listening, but this is what I did. I just got kind of, I got loud and I just started stating facts mm. so that no one could argue. Yeah. And so, and I owned up to it out loud. So like yeah. the whole, and it's not a small, it's not a, it's not a big restaurant. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like the lobby where you can sit is not big. So everybody could hear. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, I messed up. That was me. I huh? Anybody? Yeah. That yeah. was me. Let's, let's fix it. Like yeah. it was like that kind of tone. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't put it. That was me. That was, don't, don't look at him. That was, that was on me. Yeah. I didn't hear you. And then like, and then his like demeanor was like, kind of like, like he didn't know what to do with himself. Mm-hmm. He's like, Oh, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I wanted to be like, do we want to talk about this for five more minutes or do you yeah. want to fix the burger? And <laughs> yeah. like, I've already taken account that I messed up. I'm so yeah. sorry. But then I was just like, he's not mad at the fact that I got it wrong because there was no one else in line. Like mm-hmm. there was no reason for him to be mad 
or like anytime any especially any guy is mad it's it's just never because of the thing it's because something else in their lives isn't going the way they wanted exactly or i'm assume i'm i guessing because that's how i feel about myself it's like whenever i get even when if i get short with my fiance i'm just like okay i was like okay stop 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 what just happened what did she do what what am i feeling like what did she really do she didn't do anything wrong but i, I, well, I think yeah her. i mean the, the question is what am i rea- what am i actually reacting to? yes yeah like what am i and then every time it's myself yeah it's like i woke up late i didn't get to something on time and then this little thing that might annoy me, whether if it's valid or not valid, mm-hmm. of being annoyed from, then I decide to take it out on somebody because they're close. And I oh, have yeah. to show and I have to like get it out. And I don't know what it is, but it's like, I feel like when you're born a, a male, it's like, all right. And it's like you automatically get injected with like anger hormones. Like, oh yeah, you're you're going to be good with this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's no need for you to... to to work this out because you're just gonna yeah there you go yeah um because i feel like every I, I feel like anger is the only expression of emotion that um men are the most comfortable with because it shows it's showing people out loud that they're like not to be messed with and that and people are like oh yeah okay he's angry okay yeah mm-hmm. like he's strong which i is stupid but well, I, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I definitely think too, it's more, it's more about men, I think tend to, I don't know if it's biology or just the way that society has trained us, but men also just seem more likely to express their anger in an external way. That's just a much more traditional thing i mean i feel like and and you know again this is all to say that like i you know the the thing that all of the stuff that you just said about men and the way that they handle their anger i've met women who do the exact same thing um Mm. it's not a blanket thing i mean i certainly know some women that um you know especially you know my my old boss a few years ago was was 100 like that (laughs) where every time i was getting screamed at there was this you know annoying part of me where it's like well i'm getting screamed at but i know it's not about me like Mm. there is something else going on here that she's not addressing but i'm getting the brunt of it because i'm i'm right there i'm the next desk over and it's easy she's she's my boss and as she did a lot she just took a lot took out a lot of her own anger on me um but there's something, I mean, in this in this specific instance that you're talking about, it's this external need to, like, men don't have a good hold of their emotions and don't aren't good at naming things inside. So the only way to kind of say, oh, I'm upset, is to make it th- about something external. Like, I'm mad because you made my burger wrong. When really, he's probably mad because his maybe his wife said something to him earlier in the day. Maybe he's having problems at work. Maybe there's so many things that it really yeah. could be about. But, you oh, know, yeah. he found an opportunity to be like, oh, there's no bacon here. I'm so pissed about my yeah. bacon when it's like mm-hmm. it's it's bacon, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. And and like you said, it's it's it, and it's not like he was in a situation where he was screwed out of his bacon. Like you were right there. No one else in line. It's like, OK, I will put bacon on your things. <laughs> like, I'll do it. I will do it. Um, yeah. But. I, you know, a lot of, you know, a, a lot of stuff about emotions is, you know, 
I mean, I, I can speak personally, a lot of the work that I've been doing with my therapist over the last few years is working to identify emotions because I've also realized that like sometimes when you're feeling a certain emotion, it doesn't always feel like the way you think that emotion would feel. I mean, for me, especially over the last few weeks with all of the, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests and a lot of, you know, frankly, Santa Monica got really destroyed in terms of the looting. It was really, really bad over here. Mm -hmm. And I was feeling really twisted up and I wasn't really figuring it out. And basically my therapist and I talked about it and I came to the conclusion that I was really scared. I was scared for my safety. I was scared of, um, you know, someone coming to our house and like breaking the windows and doing that. Yeah. But it it didn't it didn't occur to me that I was scared because it didn't feel like the traditional oh I'm watching a horror movie and I'm really scared feeling and we we men I think more so than women tend to think like there are the you know there are the the big the, you know like I guess five big emotions and they always are going to feel the same way that's not true you can be scared and not really feel scared it can feel a little bit more like anxiety or anger i think for men it's just anger is a big part of it but you have to yeah. break it down and be like why am i angry oh i'm angry because i'm terrified yeah. um <laughs> so it's it's just yeah i think i mean a, a lot of it is emotions and uh, as we've said men aren't just inherently taught how to deal with emotions even as someone who grew up with two sisters i don't feel like i ever got like a roadmap of dealing with anger we just we just didn't talk about it um yeah I, I, I'm the same way with, I was raised by my mom and my, my sister and I would see my sister and I would see my dad every other weekend, but I wasn't really taught about how to express anger. Mm. I was more, I was more, they didn't sit me down and be like, it's okay to cry. But I was just like, Oh, I, I never was, had that either. <laughs> I was in, but I was in that environment where it was okay to, so I felt safe and. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see what you, you mean. know what I mean? So like mm -hmm. expressing that part of me was very open with them with other guys i mean it's the same thing with like whenever you see i feel like majority of the time if you see a woman crying versus a man crying people unfortunately are going to be like oh it's a woman crying oh i wonder what's okay or, mm -hmm. i wonder what i wonder what's wrong mm -hmm. that's unfortunate and then when a man cries majority of people might be like oh wow like what's going on yeah. like <laughs> You know, it's like uh, every time, like I've it's a more of a cry. stop the world moment because you're like, it's something you don't really see that often. It's like, yeah. oh even, my god. Even for me, like I remember the the uh, very few times one of my relatives, I think it was a cousin, cried, and but a lot of my other cousins have cried other times. Although other my female cousins have cried mm -hmm. dozens of times in front of me, but when it's a guy, it's like, whoa, like what? Who died? Yeah, or like literally, what just like what just happened when it could be like he, he had a bad day at work which is a justifiable reason One, like oh, there's any reason there's, you know what i mean but like since it's just not taught to us or or like uh which makes it which makes it it makes it positive for me to feel like it is you can't like we can change it it just depends on yes where where the child is raised and how they're raised Mm -hmm. because I could have um, some of my friends are in high school at least they weren't very emotionally available mm -hmm. like they were just like whatever they were like the macho macho men but they were just like I don't cry ever yeah and I was like even at 16 I was like that must hurt <laughs> like yeah it's gonna because it's gonna come out at some point mm-hmm 
you know, and it's just going to like let the floodgates open. And for me, it was kind of like, I've never been afraid to cry, whether if it's in, like, I've been embarrassed to cry in public, but I don't, I don't ever hold it in. Like, I remember I bawled my eyes out at, in college because, um, I told my, I told my mom that I had, uh, smoked some marijuana mm. and she wasn't a fan right um <laughs> as they often aren't yeah which yeah. i mean which makes sense and like i i don't blame her for that reaction mm-hmm. but i felt so bad that i disappointed her that i cried in front of my friends and one of my friends leans over and she was like are you okay while everybody else is like talking it's like at yeah it was like at the dc and no one was like no one was talking about it but it wasn't like they decided not to talk about it they weren't being rude or anything like that but one of my friends noticed and she like touched my wrist and she's like, are you okay? And then yeah. that, just her saying that to me, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And I was like, sorry guys. Like I, I just, I disappointed my mom. Like I yeah. felt so yeah. bad. And one of my friends like, hey, I just, I love that you respect your parents that much. Not all of us can say that. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a big, that's a, I mean, it, I think it just shows how much, you know, and in that instance, I would say it shows how much your family means which um is something else i feel like you know i we were talking about kurt russell earlier talking about how much your family means to you is so rare and kind of hearing about um especially men hearing about men talk about their families it's like you know we've all seen you know i mean someone that i think who talks about fatherhood a lot is you know our friend ryan reynolds who is always kind of making like sarcastic yeah he's our friend um (laughs) kind of making you know making jokes about like you know leaving his kids somewhere and like being you know i don't know he's he's clear i mean clearly i think he's a good dad and there's there's a Mm -hmm. there's a level of because he's such a sarcastic person there's like an implicit um, knowledge that he's not really, you know, hurting his kids and he's not really like being a mean dad to them, really. Um, yeah. But that's the dialogue that people hear when talking about dads. Dads are like the fun kind of troublemakers, I guess. And Yeah, you know, like dad jokes. and Dad jokes. And, and uh, pranks and... Right. And dancing. Yes, exactly. Um, but, you know, it, and, and it's, a, it's a rarer day that you'll hear a guy really... I mean, I love when, when John Krasinski was doing press for A Quiet Place. It blew my mind how open he was about talking about how he was writing it right after his second daughter was born and having to sort of do this devastating... You know, write this kind of really tough thing to write about a family while he's, like, bringing a new life into the world. It, it, really, kind yeah. of, it really kind of shocked me because he was like, you know, when you're kid is really really young you know if you know a week out of the hospital you are literally doing things like putting your hand on their chest to make sure they're breathing i mean it's very vulnerable and that i i'd never heard a man talk like that never heard a guy you know a man in general no less like a very famous person be so honest about how scary it is to be um, a father to someone so young and it's all, you know, that's that's the kind of thing. I, again, I don't know if, you know, I, I would say more often than, than not, we're going to hear the Ryan Reynolds version of fatherhood more. But for me, it is a mm-hmm. huge breath of fresh air when you hear someone talk about it a little more realistically. Yeah. I feel like the more we talk about it, the more it's visible, the more it'll it'll expose. Absolutely. Like, it, it won't it, it won't be taboo, I guess. The yeah. More it's, the more it's talked about. 
obviously i i've i've seen that justin baldoni ted talk twice oh, so good and it's so good and i do i think that one ted talk is going to change everything obviously not because it came out years ago and mm-hmm. i still feel compelled to make this podcast for a reason you know? right but just the fact like and for all of us who don't know what's happening right now justin baldoni is an actor from jane the virgin and and other stuff <clears throat> but mostly jane the virgin and um <clears throat> he's Sorry. actually directing now which i um oh yeah he did five feet did you see five feet apart i didn't see it but i thought it was so cool that he was the director behind that i i Same. I, I think that's rad that he's it's, kind of moved into that space it's very cute and actually timely because it's about these two these two patients who have cystic fibrosia mm-hmm. or my fibrosis fibrosia? maybe one of those I I'm, unfortunately I cannot think of the name, but yeah. they they physically can't be within six feet apart, within six feet of each other, or else they'll they'll basically like give each other right, you know, because they both have cystic. Why well, I can't think of it, but I'm. I think it's cystic cystic fibrosis. Cystic fibrosis. I, I, because I think it I think it might be the same thing that Lady Gaga had a few years ago. I don't oh, know. Okay. But she had some. She had something similar to, I think, what they had, and I think I'm pretty sure it was that. Anyways, it's about yeah this this teenager couple, these two teens who fall in love and they can't be within five feet of each other, or else they'll kill each other, mm-hmm. legitimately kill each other because of the disease that they have. Yeah. Um, um, and so like now with COVID, it's like everybody can be not without not within six feet, but it's a very cute, very uh, very cute movie, very a tearjerker. Um. But he did this TED talk called "Being Man Enough" and how his struggles with his image and his following, and how he posts about his loving his wife and daughter. And someone says, "Like, oh, I can't believe, like, I don't want to learn any more about this gay stuff." Mm. And he ta- and he just talks about that. And then he has a um, he has a show. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's the um, Oh, it's called Man Enough on his YouTube channel. I have not seen it. Uh, I would I would look it up. The first four episodes is like it's a it's like a round table. It's like the Chelsea Handler dinner episodes. Oh god, I love those. Those ones are so good. Oh, they're um, the best. But he does the same thing with only men. Um and he they talk about like and it's the same it's basically the same format, like, thank you guys for coming here. I want to talk about this and mm-hmm. then they just go around while eating. Mm. And it's all these experiences. There's four of them on his YouTube channel. It's called The Wayfarer, W-A-Y-F-A-R-E-R, Entertainment. And the first four are in person. And then he's doing, like, Zoom calls right now because sure. of, yeah. of COVID. And that's called season, like, 1.5 because they were going to film season two. And, yeah, they talk about – obviously, they talk about masculinity. They have a, mm-hmm. a hashtag Me Too episode, which is the longest one. Oh, I'm sure. They talk about anxiety, fatherhood, second chances. And I think just having that available, which is what I want for this podcast, is if we talk about it more, people will feel more comfortable about it. Mm-hmm. And and so we can just try and take away what toxic masculinity is. Because I think... I... Th- I sorry my stomach's grumbling i'm very hungry (laughs) (laughs) and this mic is very powerful um but uh let me know what you think about this statement i think a majority of the world's problems not all of them but a majority of the world's problems comes from toxic masculinity 
What do you think? I would agree with that. I would also um, add to that that um, I, I personally, and this is you know, as as someone who has a degree in communication studies, I would I would go a little bit further that I would say it's probably about fifty percent. Um, toxic, macul- toxic masculinity, and then I would say a lot of issues also just come from uh, lack of communication. I think mm. that's a huge issue yeah. that we face in True. in all of our lives in a lot of different ways. People just not talking to each other, and people not um, being willing to share and be vulnerable. I, I think that's a huge part of it too. But toxic, toxic masculinity. Yeah, it's a big problem, and it's a it's a it's the kind of problem that um, doesn't get a lot of airtime because there unfortunately isn't you know a a set term to sort of um, yeah tell us what what exactly it is. Yeah, I just remember I remember they were gonna do a female version of Lord of the Flies. Do you remember this? I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah, and were, everyone was like, "No, that wouldn't that." that would not happen because it's a bunch of women. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there, there's in lies the problem. Like that's yeah. why that book yeah. is so good is because it shows these and they're not even men. They're boys. No, they're like, like 12 it, or 13, maybe, yeah. maybe even and younger. It, yeah. And it's like, it doesn't start like, it doesn't start when you're 20. It starts when you're four or five, like when you literally, become, yeah, probably when you're born, you just don't remember it. It's just yeah. being imprinted in your brain of like, Oh, this is what happens. Well, I think, it, I mean, it, it can go so back to, you know, when you're born, what color they wrap you up in. I mean, that's that's right there. It's a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, pink versus blue. I mean, that's that's just, I think Gen- the um, the gender fluidity movement of the past few years has been really wonderful because it's, I think people hear the term gender fluid and they're like, oh God, what are, like, what are we going to see? And it's like, well, it's not just someone who wants to be right in the middle. There could be women who don't necessarily always feel like women. There could be men that, you know, are, are typically, you know, cisgender, but just want to explore a little bit more. It's a very wide ranging thing. And, um, but I, you know, I will say that people's, you know, initial knee jerk negative reaction to it is pretty telling, you know, people just automatically being like, oh, gender fluidity, no, it's like, well, you're kind of proofing the point, like, just by your reaction. Yeah. And again, it goes back to, it's not what's happening, it's how they feel about it. And that Absolutely. Was a, that was a huge thing I learned in therapy, was that whatever I do, or whatever I say, however people react, or even how I react to things, it's not because, it's usually not because... Um, and I don't mean like if you say something racist and you get angry I mean you should get angry because something said something racist but it's more Mm -hmm. like if it if something just happens like I don't know like going to the store or just anything mundane and you have a certain reaction to it I don't know it could be anything I'm sorry I'm going to take that back it could be it could be anything but it all depends on what you bring to it Mm -hmm. and it's it's never majority of the time it's never really the thing that's happening in front of you it's because of where you are and how it's affected you and your past yes and absolutely I, I mean i i haven't been going i haven't been going to therapy for very long um but just learning that opened my eyes to i've obviously i'm i'm a person so i've still gotten angry after going to therapy mm-hmm. but i've been able to step back and in, in, in moments where i've been able to step back 
I've stopped, I've stepped back, thought, what's happening? Why am I angry? Oh, okay, it's me. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. Because the person that, whatever the other person did, it wasn't like illegal or immoral. It was just something that they said that bothered me or something that they do or did. And it's, and I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I didn't like this because I was late to this thing. I didn't get the raise or like, you know what I mean? Like that kind of like. Absolutely. Whatever. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I would, to any of the younger crowd listening, I would say it's difficult, but if you can, just try and look at one time you got angry. Or if you even, even if you're angry right now about us talking about this. Oh, for about, sure. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are probably like, what? No, I don't feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, it only proves our point even So more. much proving of the point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just think, like, what's really doing it? And yeah. why are you angry? Just I would just say start there and hopefully it germinates and grows into the real reason. Because um, I've stopped a lot of raising my voice at anybody because of it. Um, Absolutely. Because it's just not it's, necessary most of the time. It's not. It, mo- yeah, mo- of course, there are exceptions where it's like you want to raise your voice where it's like, illegal stuff has been like have been happening your life is in danger like that kind of stuff of course of course but it's like if you get if something goes wrong in your burger or if you're road rage when there isn't an accident or yeah something like if they forgot to charge you or they charge you extra Mm -hmm. when you know you can fix it like you can go back in and be like hey like you charged me extra can you i'm like oh yeah cool and then they should be able to you know you know like it's like it's like that kind of stuff. Not well, it's like, the assumption that people are going to be pissed that you're like, you know, take the example of like, oh, I was overcharged for, um, you know, let's say I'm at a restaurant and I had two beers and they charged me for three. Going to them and saying, oh, you know, I was charged for an extra beer. Can you take that off? It, it almost feels that the thing seems to be like, oh, I'm, I'm bothering them by like going up and, and saying, oh, you charged me for something extra this is a restaurant they want your return business and if they're if they can do anything to make sure you will come back they will do it they will take that beer off of your tab so that you still have a positive experience there and will come back the next time it's this weird assumption of like oh i I don't want to bring it up because i don't want to piss them off no it's actually worse if you don't say anything they want your order to be right they want you to enjoy yourself and come back yeah, I... I mean, that's a very restaurant-specific instance, I, I will say. But, like, but, <laughs> but no one, no one wants you to sit there and be unhappy if there's, a, if there's an opportunity for it to be fixed. I am... I agree with you. I just don't... That's not in my default. <laughs> I'm the more like... Oh, I, I see. <laughs> I don't... I'm the, I'm the person who's listening to that and thinking, oh, I do that. Because I don't. I don't fix things. I just... I just feel like, oh, if I make them angry, they can spit in my food. Right. <laughs> like that's where my right. mind goes. And I'm like, oh, well, I just, I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll settle it. And I, I feel like to me, yeah, speaking up, like my fiance and my brother-in-law have no problem with this. And I feel like a majority of the world doesn't have a problem with this. When anything goes wrong in an order or at a restaurant, they've never been rude. Mm. But they both have been like, hey, like we ordered this without ketchup or like we wanted a Diet Coke, not a regular Coke or something like that. Right. They've been nice in the in the in the waiter or waiter or waitresses have been like, oh, sorry about that. And then like they fixed it. And then my sister and I, who 
don't have that gene automatically mm-hmm. in our in our DNA. We're both like, what? <laughs> like, they can do that? Like, it's just... Yeah. But it's yeah. the same for me. I, I can't talk about my sister or any uh, or any women who feel that who don't do that. But for me as a man, it's more for I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be that guy. Um, sure. I also don't want to be picky because then being picky is annoying. And if I'm annoying, no one's going to be my friend. It's just a spiral. And I'm mm. in a restaurant. <laughs> like, can you imagine what I'm in? Like, where how fast I can spiral in my room? Like it's, exactly. <laughs> but I'm in public around people. I'm just like, oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then I become like Eeyore, which is not good. Like I'm saying this because it's not good. And if people can go do that spiral in public, it's a terrifying to see what they can think about in the privacy of their own home when they're for sure alone. For sure. I think we're going to end it there. Okay. Because this has been, I've loved this talk. Yeah, uh, this has been great. I pretty much had five questions lined up and we talked about one and <laughs> I love it. It was actually great. Was actually well, I mean, great. is there any, I mean, I, you know, are, are there any, is there anything that you wanted to ask that we can, you know, I, we can wrap it up with like some quick takes about anything or, um, I, I think, um, I think if we could just go through like any solutions, any, solutions any, to toxic masculinity. Yeah. Any solutions? Well, I mean, I, 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 I guess this sort of ties into what you were just talking about, where I think the, the thing that I would warn, you know, if we're talking to younger guys and, you know, um, trying to impart advice, I guess, to, to sort of watch your toxic, toxic masculinity or try to correct your toxic masculinity, I think the biggest thing is to recognize that masculinity can basically be whatever you want it to be. Um, that's how I feel at least at this point in my life. I don't necessarily think that we need to be, especially with all of the, you know, gender fluidity and all of these, you know, sexuality and gender based movements that are going on right now. There's no way to gauge this is masculinity and this is not. I just think that that we're at a place right now where that has been completely thrown out the window. So if I'm going to impart any sort of advice, I guess I would just say that your masculinity can look and feel and be whatever you want it to be. Um, you know, I'm, I'm someone who, you know, has always sort of considered themselves a masculine person, but I'm also sitting here in my house with my pink phone cover and wearing a pink t-shirt. Like, it's... It, it, it doesn't necessarily... You know, wearing pink does not make you not masculine. I have a yeah. cousin who is very, 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 very straight, married, two children. He loves pink, and he loves... Um, Janet Jackson, like one of his favorites. And it's like, Mm. that's the kind of thing where I think like, huh, you know, you, you don't necessarily, the boxes that you think you have to fit into, obviously, if you're talking about peer pressure, there's always kind of a, an external force that's maybe pushing you in one direction or the other, but you can, you can decide what masculinity is for yourself. I I think that's 100% possible. I'm not saying that it's an easy process and I'm not saying it's a quick one. I'm obviously 30 years old and I'm still very much figuring all of this stuff out, but just Mm -hmm. removing the possibility of saying, oh, well, I'm not doing A, B, and C, therefore it means I'm not masculine. Don't think that way. You you can build masculinity for whatever it is that you um, want it to be. And on you know on the flip side of that, I don't think we need to shy away from telling girls that they can be masculine because that can also be whatever you want it to be. Um, yeah. There's no there's no guidebook for this type of stuff. I think the biggest problem with all of this is that there is a myth out there that there is a guidebook. 
there's there's this myth and sort of cultural lie that um, there is one right way to do it and you need to find that or you're wrong, which is total, it's a total lie. It's it's not true. You You can build however you want to be masculine out of your own skills and what you see that you connect with. That's that's true. I I feel. Um, I agree. I think when I I agree a hundred percent. Whenever you set your own boxes, like you said, there's no like there's no way to argue that. Mm-hmm. You know, you definitely because like, if you are confident in who you are, I think people will follow. Absolutely. Because there, there's nothing to be like. Yeah. Well, you, like they won't have anything to because you're not ashamed of who you are you just like what you like well there's nothing to argue if that's you and that's what it is then you can't say someone can't say oh well that's wrong and it's like well it's who i am so how can that be wrong how can that be not correct if it's if it's what makes me feel the most like me um Mm -hmm. you know for me it's it's like i like wearing pink it goes well with my skin tone i it just i feel more attractive wearing it sometimes and that's 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 it that's all there is to it there's not you know i'm not actively seeking out pink things to wear because i want to be more feminine it's because wearing pink and having pink things around me makes me feel more like me and i think that if we can start to sort of shift that thinking and that's to say that you know if you want to be the marlboro man if you want to be john wayne there's nothing wrong with that either 100 it's it's the idea that you being that way means that other people being a different way is wrong. That thinking does need to go. But if you want to, you know, wear cowboy boots and chew tobacco, if that's what makes you feel the most like, I guess, I guess that that's what it is. is It's not about what makes you feel masculine. It's about what makes you feel like you, what makes you feel comfortable, what makes you feel like Paul or Josh or whoever it is. Like what, what, what things can you do to make you feel more like yourself? And whatever that is, that's it's it's correct, it's correct, and um, that brings me to you know I you know one of our one of our I will go be so bold as to say one of our favorite comedians Eliza Schlesinger talks mm. uh, talks like mm. this to women a lot, which I think is wonderful. There's I can't remember exactly which she has a bunch of stand-up specials now, and in yeah. one of them she she tells all of her audience and says to the women, if you whatever way you are a woman, you're right you're correct. That is just, that's it. There's no fancy, you know, joke there, but whatever you, whatever you're doing that makes you feel like a man, like a woman, you're right. You're right. And of course there is the work of, you know, battling against the people that disagree with you. But the more you sit in that and the more confident you are in it, the less the complainers will matter in the long run. Um, mm-hmm. the more you sort of get yourself together and um, figure out your own stuff, you know, because pe- people are always going to say stuff. People will never stop saying things and being negative yeah. and trying mm-hmm. to, to break you down. So at a certain point, it does kind of become on you to say, all right, well, they're always going to call me girly or they're always going to call me, you know, feminine or whatever. But at, at what point do I let that become the predominant at what point do I change the dialogue about it for for myself? Yes. And at what point do I say, okay, you think I'm too feminine. It feels right to me. So, you know, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. You're just going to have to stay mad about it because 
Yeah. At a certain point, we all, and I think this goes for old, young, male, female, in between all of it. At some point, we have to be the ones to figure out how we're going to live and how we're going to be happy. That is that is no one else's responsibility but our own. No one gives you a guidebook for masculinity or femininity or how to be happy or how to be a person. That is not yeah. predetermined. It's There's no commandments for that. That is up to you. So I think just, you know, if, if we're, you know, again, still talking to younger guys, trust what you, trust what makes you feel right. Trust what makes you feel like the person that you are and whatever that is it's correct i cannot think of a better way to end this podcast um i boom i yeah seriously like which i'm not surprised because i think you are one of the smartest and most eloquent people that i know or if not on the face of the planet and i think you should run for office what oh god oh my Uh, god can you imagine I can't imagine, and I would be very happy. <laughs> what would I I'd do, be, though? I, I don't know. I would be any <laughs> any office. I would I would vote for you. Um, Thank you. You're very welcome. It's it's always an honor to talk to you about this stuff because it's always I, I like our back and forth, and I always learn something new from you. And um, well, I think it's rare that two people. I mean, I just I'll say maybe this is you know not necessarily true, but as a blanket statement, I find that it's rare when you can find someone that you can just sort of talk to about anything, and that's how I feel about us. Is that whenever yeah. whatever we're talking about, we can always we always have different experiences. Obviously everyone is going to have two specific experiences for whatever they go through, but mm-hmm. we just seem to our, our communication styles and the way that we think tends to line up pretty well. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's something to hold on to and sort of um, keep around because, you know, I've certainly tried to have heavy conversations with friends of mine who I thought were super close and, you know, five minutes in, I'm kind of like, Oh, we are, we're heading into some weird territory here. And, um, so I think it's, it's always good to, you know, keep people in your life who you know that you can talk to about anything because when, you know, things, you know, hit the fan, you need someone there that's going to be able to talk to you and sort of help you out with that. Of course. Of, of God, man. Okay. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Uh, well, you definitely have to come back cause this is, I would love old, it. I think old, I, I think this is a great idea. I mean, I don't know if we we didn't really talk a whole lot before we, you know, got ready to to, you know, start recording today, but this is a great idea. I think this is something that, you know, kind of similar to the Justin Baldoni TED Talk. This mm-hmm. is something that's very necessary and it's necessary almost because it's something that doesn't really exist quite yet. And it's really great that Justin kind of just him on a first name basis with him now um <laughs> J- it's jb <laughs> jb it's kind of i mean it's kind of great that he did what he did because it has sort of opened up this platform for he he sort of created the space i mean i'm sure there were men that were talking about this stuff before but no one that was really of his caliber and did it so well i mean talk about eloquent speakers he's such an amazing speaker yeah and it really is a very compelling i mean i think it's probably I don't remember. It's probably like 20 minutes, 15 or 20 minutes or so, but he has you the whole time. And you're just, I mean, I was eating up every single word that came out of his mouth. He's just so he's smart. And he's clearly when you see someone talking passionately about something 
about something that they really care about. You you literally cannot take your eyes off of it. It's it's yeah. it's wonderful. So I'm glad that he did what he did because it it's it's you know creating more space for these kinds of conversations to happen which frankly don't happen enough. They need to happen more and Yes, they do. And you know men of all different backgrounds, walks of life um you know, feminine versus masculine, if you want to say it that way, we do need to be talking more and sort of having these conversations because they're, they're just not happening now. And it's a real, if, if for nothing else, it's a real shame that we're just not sharing more with each other. Um, Of course, there's the bigger world implications of like changing things and making sure, you know, younger boys grow up knowing that it's okay to be emotional and talk about what they're feeling. But if nothing else, the conversations that would come out of just more men talking, I think would be, fascinating there would be so much that we could all gain from um men speaking with each other more yeah oh yeah beyond a surface level beyond like oh Oh, yeah you watched the game last night um (laughs) that that brings me back to the um the birdcage as well because at one point nathan lane's character tries to talk about sports and he's just like how about those dolphins <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> uh, if you guys anyone listening if you haven't watched the birdcage you have to watch it it's it is really good it's really one of my so fa- it's not only one of my favorite films but i i truly feel like just it's 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 up there with like um tootsie and a bunch of those old classic comedies that just they're they're perfect they are pitch mm. perfect from beginning to end expert mm. writing very emotional deal with a lot i mean there's a scene towards the end where nathan lane and robin williams are basically sitting on a bench where they decide to become they you know they they sign these papers to be life partners and it is one of the most radical very quiet very very you know quote unquote small in terms of like a production but it's this it's a wonderful scene where they basically commit to each other. i mean they've they've you know lived together for 20 years and they've obviously raised a son together but it's the uh-huh. signing of this paper that solidifies their partnership and it's beautifully done mm-hmm. these two i mean robin williams i feel like has the sort of icon status that he deserves but god nathan lane is truly an unsung brilliant actor and, and and um is really quite wonderful in this movie i mean the role gives him so much to do he gets to play so many different shades and he's totally believable the whole time Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's and it's you know it, it ends well it's lovely it really is just one of the best you, you, highly highly if I can walk away if you don't listen to anything else I say in this podcast <laughs> watch the birdcage it's I'm pretty sure you can watch on Amazon Prime it's it's an older movie so it's probably cheap to rent it on all those different streaming things you just got to do it yeah you just you have to watch it yeah it's so good all right well thank you thank you so much paul for doing this of i really course. appreciate it thank you for you having so me much. i'm so happy that this that this happened this was this was a great idea i love the idea of this and i would thank be you. happy to come back and do more because it's just this is great oh yeah there's so many aspects of of this topic that weren't even touched in our in our talk so yeah um so yeah uh for anyone who's interested in and listening or uh, being a part of the this community even more, uh, there is a Facebook group for Boys Will Be Human. Um, so check that out, and then you can uh, we can talk there and have an extended conversation of this one or whatever you want to talk about. Um, it'd be kind of stupid for us to not want to communicate more because that's what we've been talking about for the exactly. last yeah, exactly. hour and forty five <laughs> minutes. Like we should communicate more, and then I'm just like, no, let's just cut it off. Uh, <laughs> just listen and then do that. No, yeah. uh, let's. <laughs> 
we need to communicate. It's yeah. everything. Yeah. It's whenever you're feeling bad, whenever you're feeling sad, just communicate. Yeah. Um, Connecting with people is very important, especially during the very, very turbulent times that we're living in right now. I think the the kind of knee-jerk reaction, and I'm certainly guilty of this too, is to self-isolate and to kind of keep yourself alone. But it is so important that we're talking to each other and checking in with each other and making sure everyone's doing all right because I don't think we've ever, I mean, certainly not in my lifetime, we've never yeah. been through something like this. And, and I'm yeah. not just talking about COVID-19. I'm talking about the upcoming election. I'm talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, which is an extremely long overdue movement that we that is so important that we're oh, yeah. all paying attention to and oh, yeah. um i'm just i'm 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 shame I'm, I'm a little ashamed that i haven't been able to go out and be around as much but i'm I'm, a, I'm as of late i'm a very health kind of conscious person i just don't feel comfortable being out in the streets right now but if yeah. if we were in any other time i would 100 percent be out there um supporting everybody so if you haven't yet, I'm going to do my little plug. Donate to Black Lives Matter. Donate to... I, I've been donating to BEAM, which is a mental health collective for um, black people. Um, is it... Wait, it's called BEAM? Like It's called BEAM. B-E-A-M. Um, okay. They have a website. I think it's just beam.org or just Google BEAM to learn more about it. It's a really mm-hmm. great organization. I'm, I'm big in mental health, so that was always where my sort of... I was always going to really make that my thing. So... Um, but yeah, nice. communicate, guys. We just we need to be talking more. We need to be checking in with each other and making sure that everybody is doing okay. Because eventually we will be on the other side of this. But for right now, we just need to be there for for everybody. Thank you. God, that's so good. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I just can't. I can't stop saying thank you. This has been so much fun. <laughs> it's it's um, been great. Yeah. This I know this really isn't nice. our last conversation as friends or as people, but uh, I just it is don't know actually. To, I, I, <laughs> I've decided. <laughs> this is, this is, this is we're, do, we're done. We're just done. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, we solved it. We did. We're uh, good. We're fine. No, no, no. We. Uh, no, yeah. We have a lot more of these conversations ahead. Of yeah, us, we are sure. just starting for you and I, and we're just starting for um, this conversation. Absolutely. Uh, so thank you <laughs> one last time. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I hope to talk to you very soon and hope to welcome you back on this podcast. Yes, absolutely. And thank you all for listening. Yes. You guys have a good day and just communicate. Yes. Thanks again for listening. If you liked this episode, go ahead and share with someone who might benefit from hearing it. You can subscribe and get our new episodes every week. Tag us on Instagram at boys will be human. And you can join more conversations over at the Facebook boys will be human community page. And please leave a review. Reviews are crucial, especially for new podcasts like this one. The music is by Polaroid Bear. Check out his music at his website in the show notes. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you soon.